Today's Hilton Seminary resource is brought to you by Aware3. At Aware3, their goal is to help your church build connections using mobile technology. They help you extend church beyond Sunday mornings by putting it in the palm of everyone's hand. Learn more about how a custom mobile app can help you improve engagement, communication, and generosity at www.aware3.com. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. It's Rich Birch from the Unseminary Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. You're going to love today's interview. We are with Dave Furman and Scott Zeller from Redeemer Dubai. This is uh, a, an amazing interview. I loved hearing the story of this church as they're leading in a closed access nation, reaching out uh, to people in their part of the world. I think you're going to find it inspiring. And we're doing this because we're celebrating uh, my uh, the release of my book, which comes out next uh, week, actually, November first this is incredible right down to the wire here uh, it's called unreasonable churches 10 churches who zagged when others zigged and saw more impact because of it listen i wrote this book for you and your team uh, to help inspire you to do something new in your community and i want to make it even easier by by encouraging you to buy more than one copy of the book and this is what's going to happen next week when we launch on november 1st i want to encourage you to buy two copies or at least two copies and when you do uh, email your receipt to team at unreasonablechurches.com. Uh, and when you do that, uh, we're going to send back to you uh, two things. We're going to send you a discussion templates. They're, they're printable discussion templates that make it really easy for you to talk about each chapter with your team that, that will inspire your team uh, to take new action, to think about some things that maybe you should be doing different in your church. And then also in a professionally produced audio version. I actually got voice talent to, to uh, produce the entire uh, book on audio. Uh, because I know some people would rather listen to the book than uh, than read it. And so you'll get both of those things for absolutely free if you buy it this month or no, next month by the end of November. Uh, you just have to buy more than one copy. So two copies or more uh, to get those team edition books. Uh, so that that's next week. I would love for you to, uh, to tune in again on Thursday uh, because we've got Carrie Newhoff finishing up this special month of interviews uh, talking all about Canada. You're going to love that interview. He has some great things to say. Uh, but let's let's not delay anymore. Let's jump in with Dave and Scott. Uh, Dave and Scott from uh, Dubai uh, Redeemer. You're going to love this interview. Let's join in and hear what they have to say. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Uh, and all the month we've been talking with church leaders from let's say non traditional contexts, and today's one of those. Uh, and I'm just excited to have you guys on the show. Thanks so much for being here today. It's great to be with you. Glad Dave, to be here. Dave, why don't we start with kind of, give me your story. Kind of tell me a little bit about how did you find yourself in Dubai and, and planting the church that you're planting? My wife, Gloria, and I, as a married couple, were just praying about where to go to serve among least reached peoples. We didn't know where to go. We stopped over in a layover in Dubai between ministry in China and Kenya. It was amazing. We looked outside of our window. We saw thousands of men in blue uniforms building what is today about 300 new skyscrapers. The wow. city was the fastest growing city in the world. We come home and we start making phone calls to people asking you know, what they're doing in North Africa, Middle East, the Arabian Peninsula, kind of this part of the 1040 window. And one particular phone call really was the icing on the cake. We um, are on the phone with a pastor in a nearby city and I'm, 
I'm having Gloria listen in on the phone call with me, and the pastor's saying that there's no healthy church that he knows of in downtown Dubai, in the fastest-growing city in the world. And he wow. said if we planted one there in the urban core and preached the gospel faithfully, it would grow. And Gloria, my wife, gets so excited. She actually runs in the middle of the phone call. I'm still talking in the room. She gets to the other room, to our bedroom, grabs her suitcase, grabs her favorite uh, books and clothes, and actually zipped up the suitcase and runs to the front door of our apartment and yells out, let's go. <laughs> still talking on the phone. Um, I get off the phone. I tell her, well, we still have to finish seminary, pay off debt, raise support. <laughs> but it was her way of saying, I'm in. Let's go. If there's not a, a healthy, vibrant wow. church preaching the gospel in the center of the world's fastest growing city, a diverse place, a place with gospel need, then, then let's go. And hmm. that led us into really about two and a half, three years of preparation, raising funds, finishing seminary, uh, doing some cross-cultural uh, church planting training. And we arrived on August 23rd, 2008 to plant a church in the center of Dubai. And it was amazing because along the way we actually took out a map and drew a square on the center of Dubai and prayed that the Lord would allow us the privilege of planting a church there. And about 18 months after we moved here, we launched the church in the center of that square. Wow. Well, Scott, why don't you kind of give us a sense of what does the you know, church look like? How does the, you know, what is the experience if someone was to show up uh, this weekend, you know, you know, in Dubai, what would that look like? And kind of give me a sense of the ministry. Sure. The, you know, the Lord's been very gracious to Redeemer over the last six years, almost seven since uh, it was planted. Um, and, you know, what we say and what most people say when they come in and visit Redeemer is that you're just, wow, this is like a taste of heaven. Um, and what they mean is that there's just people from, it feels like, every tribe and tongue. It's the the most diverse church I've ever been a part of. I think last time we counted, we had over 50 different nations that were part of worship on a Friday morning. Um, so the Lord's just grown. Um, I think we're around 1,000 people on a Friday as we gather. Um, but more than that, more than the diversity, more than the, the numbers, it's just we've seen gospel growth taking place. Uh, people from least reached people groups, um, people from all over Asia and the Middle East that have come to faith as a result of a public worship gathering mm -hmm. here in the middle of Dubai, in the middle of the Middle East, in the almost the geographic center uh, or middle of the 1040 window. And so uh, the Lord's just been gracious. We've seen as we hold out God's word, uh, people come to faith from many different nations. So that's that's just the quick snap snapshot. Um, that's what makes us excited to be here. Yeah, why don't you give me a sense of, you know, Scott, how did you and Dave connect? What was that story? How did you, you know, have you been there right from the beginning? Did you jump in that suitcase that his wife packed up? Or what did that look like? <laughs> I want to save this some money on plane tickets. It's, it's probably, but... probably would have. Well, everything good in Dubai happens on a layover. And so Dave's first experience was on a layover. Mine was on a layover. Um, I was actually on my way from India to Uganda. Okay. Um, so my wife and I were in India um, planning a church and helping start a seminary in Delhi. Um, and we, I was on my way to preach at a pastor's conference in Uganda. And I came by here on a layover. And kind of leading up to that, the last year or more in India, I had struggled severely with uh, asthma. Mm -hmm. um, Delhi is one of the most polluted cities in the entire world. I think and it is the most think polluted it is. city. Yeah, Why? yeah. But, you know, wow. I just want to be nice to my former home and just say it's one of the Because <laughs> um, that's true. It is one of them. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Um, and so we, we were just struggling with where the Lord wanted us in ministry. I had spent several summers in Africa when I was in college and um, we're thinking maybe we'd had that direction. We didn't really know what was going on. We just knew we wanted to be in a city, um, helping to see churches planted so that the unreached could be reached um, as they heard the gospel by those corporate witnesses uh, to the gospel. And so we were in Delhi doing that and uh, came through here and met with Dave. 
Uh, this was about three years ago, and um, we just immediately shared a common vision and bond um, of what we saw as helpful for this part of the world. Um, not just holding the gospel out, um, but seeing it implanted in a community. So gathering a group of people in, as a church, mm-hmm. and then using that as a context uh, to train leaders for healthy churches uh, throughout the region. And so we just shared that. Um, and so pretty, I think even in that first conversation, Dave basically just said, um, you know, why don't you just come over here and do what you're doing in Delhi and Dubai? So, and that was that. And that was that. And that was that. Well, this, so this is amazing. The thing I find just so fascinating about the story of, of, you know, what's happening at Redeemer Dubai is, um, not only are you reaching folks, you know, that's, that's happening, but then there's this, this passion to then replicate and, you know, disciple and grow, um, other, uh, you know, other leaders, you know, that, that's pretty amazing. What would you say are, and maybe Dave, you could answer this. What would you say are some of the unique aspects of the culture that you're in? Um, and how has your ministry adjusted to that? What does that, you know, what does that look like? It's interesting because Dubai is really the gateway to Africa, Europe, and Asia. And so there are dozens, I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe almost all the world's people groups are gathered. The major people groups and major ethnic groups are you know, assembled here mm-hmm. in Dubai. It's a real melting pot. I think 90% of the population of Dubai are expatriates, meaning they don't have a local passport. So the world is converging here, which makes it a real strategic place mm-hmm. to reach the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forbes, you know, secular magazine called Dubai the seventh most important city in the world. Wow. And I would say you could say similar things about it in a spiritual sense. If you're trying to reach the nations, you can go to one place and reach the nations. And so our city is incredibly diverse, which is a culture of its own. You don't really, you know, have what maybe you had in northern India, in Delhi, where, you know, you had specific Indian cultures that maybe had a little more like one another than you would have in Dubai, where some cultures are just drastically different. And there's not really a way to minister to one culture. So I feel like I'm taking baby steps eight years in and learning Filipino culture and Nigerian culture and Iranian culture and Egyptian culture. I'm learning little bits of it. And then we as a church are a culture of our own, of you know, 60, 70 different nationalities all coming together. I think we have 35-ish in membership uh, itself and with no one um, people group totally dominant. And so it's, it's interesting. You, you learn. You learn about giving up your preferences. You learn about, uh, you know, things that other cultures do amazingly well and you glean from them and you learn kind of spiritually speaking about people's relationships with the Lord and kind of what they can teach you from their background. That's amazing. Now, so, you know, when you started, what did it look like? Because obviously, you you know, we all come from a particular cultural group. Obviously, you're reaching people from around, you know, the world. What did those early days look like as you even just started to gather people? I'm, you know, assuming, you know, you were gathering people relationally. How, what did that look like in those in those early days? Well, we didn't really know what we were doing at all. So <laughs> it looked like a lot of chaos. No, that's My good. wife and our one-year-old daughter just parachuted in. We had met a couple people um, beforehand. That's it. And so the first thing was just let's get to know people. Mm-hmm. Let's get to know the city. We, we pray that the Lord would give us a heart for Dubai, that we'd fall in love with the city, that we would pray and care for the rulers and the citizens. And we wanted to do good for Dubai mm-hmm. and be a blessing to mm-hmm. Dubai. So we just began to pray that the Lord would, number one, put a love for Dubai in our hearts. And so we started walking around the city and, and, and meeting people and meeting shopkeepers and falling in love with what some people might not think is, is, is beauty, but we love it. We think Dubai is one of the most beautiful places on the earth, both the city and the people uh, make it that way. So that was number one. Number two, finding people who would join us. We ended up partnering with a, a church on the outskirts of the city 
and they were wonderful. They sent us several dozen people, sent us money, um, gave us some visibility and credibility. So that was the second key thing. And the third thing was just finding people in the city who had an interest in the church. And so I kind of built out lists of, of people that we had heard of or a friend of a friend of a friend told us. And we just started following up and doing lunches and coffees. And, and uh, Tim Keller once said when he planted Redeemer Church in New York that he would just meet with people and ask them two questions. One, you know, what kind of church would best serve the city? And number two, do you know anybody else in the city that I could talk to about the church? And he would just build a list of, of names. And so falling in love with the city, building a partnership with a great church, and then number three, um, just building contacts. And that ended up with about 70 mm -hmm. on a launch team. And we met several weeks and prayed and planned for the launch. And then on February 12, 2010, uh, we launched with several times that many. And I think it's because people were getting the word out and they were taking it seriously about a new work. They were taking it seriously about sharing the gospel with people. And there was a real need. It proved uh, that there was a vacuum of healthy churches in downtown. Yeah, I think I want to pull apart there. You know, it was so if I if I'm doing my math right, it was just under two years of kind of laying the groundwork before you started, um, you know, public services. Is that right? If if I'm doing that math right, yeah, eighteen months or so. You're right. Yeah, and and I, the thing I love is the focus on, and you know, I've seen this in other contexts. I've seen in my own context as we've launched campuses that the real focus on finding a core who will multiply the mission or multiply, you know, what it is that you're attempting to do. Um, you know, that's so critical. That's such a, you know, an important piece of the, you know, the puzzle. Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about the training that you're doing at Redeeming, you know, Redeemer Dubai. How is this a platform for, um, you know, training other leaders? Sure. The uh, part of the initial vision of the church uh, was not just to be a, a fellowship of, the foreigners in town, mm -hmm. um, but was that this church could be one that was reaching the nations that were in Dubai. Um, and so one of the ways that we see that's important in doing that is that there's leaders for that mission. Um, and so obviously we need everyone in the whole church to be engaged in the mission. So we, throughout the church, we're trying to train up every member to be involved in evangelism, to be involved in discipleship, um, to know what it means to sit down with someone and go over scripture with them and encourage them, whether they're a non-believer or a new believer or even a mature believer. We want all of our members yeah. to be equipped uh, to be on mission. But then particularly, uh, want it to be a context where leaders could be raised up. And so in the early days of the church, that was kind of happening in, um, in fits and starts, you know, an internship here or um, you know, just a, a friend who could come along for a little while there. Uh, but really, as I came along, the, the goal was how can we give shape to this and formalize it in a way. And so what we've tried to do is, is do something that we're calling church-dependent theological education. Okay. Uh, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to replicate a seminary over here. We can't uh, do that for a number of different reasons, uh, but we don't really want to. We want to see guys that are raised up through the church for the church, and we think that any local church um, can be a context in which people can be raised up for the ministry. And so what we're doing is combining some intentional theological education at a pretty high level uh, we started with some, actually right now, I, I just came from a current two-day intensive on the Holy Spirit. It's in English, uh, teaching at a seminary level, and we had over 60 students show up uh, to learn learn about it. And so we have a group of 16 students that's our year-long cohort. Uh, they're taking 10 classes this year. That's a three-year program, and we're hoping a, a few of those out of that group will become um, some church planners that are raised up purely from uh, from here. So, so we're really excited about it. We... Uh, we want to be a place, again, that guys are sent out, uh, particularly to plant more churches. And we think that that happens best within the context of a church. So when they 
they go out, they not only have the knowledge in their head, but they've been able to work out it in the context of ministry as well. So This is amazing. I, I hope you guys, as you're listening in, are encouraged by this story. I, um, you know, it's humbling. I think there's a lot of us are in context where, um, you know, we would have, uh, you know, we would be able to do the kind of things you're doing and not even think about it. And the thing that I love that you're doing is pushing forward, um, you're being innovative, not only reaching people, discipling them, your vision, you know, a bigger, vi- so many people would be happy with like, oh my goodness, we've got a church of a thousand people. They put their feet back and be like, okay, this is great. And I just love that you're pushing forward and saying, hey, what's next? How are we spreading this? How are we becoming? I love, you know, what you said, Dave, at the beginning, a church that plant churches, that plant churches, that plant churches. That's just, you know, fantastic. Why don't we talk, you know, turn the corner a little bit. I, 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 maybe we'll start with Dave and then Scott. Thinking back to leaders who are in the States, um, knowing what you know now as you've led in the context that you're in, what would be some advice? Uh, you know, I'm sure there's people listening and saying, man, I want to learn from these these folks. What would you what would be some advice you would give to church leaders, you know, back in the States? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. I'm sure we'll get even more creative in a minute. But actually, perhaps the most creative thing we've done is actually to be intentionally boring and not really boring, but what we've done is we've we've made the primacy of everything we do God's word yes. and the gospel, which is not boring, mm-hmm. uh, but some people think it is. And there's obviously creative things you can do. You mentioned the word innovative. I'm all for that. But what we found is perhaps the most innovative thing we can do is actually to teach God's word because the whole world is, you know, we're, we want to be entertained and there's lots of ways we can do that but what we've actually found best is just to open up God's word and to teach it and and people's lives are being changed and right now we're going through nine weeks in the book of Leviticus I mean none of nobody at church has ever studied Leviticus probably haven't even read it I've never studied it in depth and the book is coming alive we finished the fifth week uh, today and just holding out that word we've seen that people are are hungry for it so actually the most one of the most innovative things we've done is not be so innovative on certain things <laughs> right it's just to, to kind of go to god's word and go to the gospel romans 1 says you know not be ashamed for the gospel because it is the power of god it changes lives we can't make a better message we can't add to it we can't be more innovative than god already has and so clearly we want to do that in creative ways but i think at the fundamental level we want to hold out the old and true gospel uh, for our, our people and so there are people around us that are you know wanting to preach a prosperity gospel or promise mm-hmm. special things other people that want to um, entertain uh, people to death and amuse them to, to death we've wanted to, to focus on God's word and so I think that's fundamentally what undergirds it and then there's there's obviously lots of other I don't know Scott you have some things uh, to add there's, there's certainly other things we've done yeah, in terms of you know what guys in the U.S. could be thinking about as they think about a place like Dubai, I think um, what Dave said is really wise because you know in many ways um, we're not doing anything different that gathers these fifty different nations. It's a, it's a product of the city that we live in, um, you know. But by holding out God's word, that's gathered people from every nation in some ways because we've celebrated that. Mm. And so I think that is something for guys to think about: um, is if you're looking around your city. Um, or even your neighborhood, and realizing that your church doesn't reflect it. Um, you know, obviously a common problem um, with ethnic tension and things like that, and when um, suburbs and different places in the, in the cities where your church has come to a place where it's not reflecting the neighborhood. Well, are you celebrating that as a church? Are you celebrating what unity looks like? Are you celebrating Revelation 5 and 7 and every tribe and tongue becoming... Um, you know, around that throne together, mm-hmm. um, and not only celebrating it, are you working towards it? Are you appointing elders um, from those communities? 
Um, we we worked really hard um, to where, you know, and, and again, it, we've worked hard and God's provided the fruit. So we don't want to in any way take it, um, credit. But um, th- over the summer, three elder candidates for, um, have been one from the Philippines, one from um, Kenya, and uh, one from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And that's because of intentional discipleship into those communities um, and calling uh, Dave's actually sat in front of, or not sat, stood in front of the whole congregation today and said, every man in this, every man in this church should be aspiring to be an elder. Mm. Um, and we really want to do that. We want to call not just the people who are like us, not just the people we feel comfortable leading with, um, but we want to, what we want the church to look like, we want to hold that out and say, this is what we're hoping it to look like. We want to see people from every tribe and tongue in the church. We want to see every, people from every tribe and tongue leading in the church. And so, uh, you know, I think sometimes we, we pray for things and we want things but we actually don't end up talking about them. We don't end up teaching towards them. We don't end up actually taking any steps toward them. And it's just not going to happen by accident, especially um, in that area of ethnic unity and um, cross-cultural ministry. That's not going to happen in the church by accident. (laughs) This has been fascinating. What a great conversation. Dave, is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up? Um, And then if not, how can we, if people want to learn more about your church, how can they get in touch? Yeah, well, we'd love for people to get in touch. Uh, it, it is a unique place to do ministry. I think one thing I'd add is just say we're praying for more laborers. Mm. So if you're listening to this, you're thinking about going overseas, uh, both our city but also the region. We're hoping to have more impact in the region. See Dubai as a hub, kind of a launching pad. Mm-hmm. And we have a unique opportunity to see churches planted among least reached people groups. And we love the church. I mean, we love the church. The church is God's means, God's plan for spreading the gospel around the world. And so we want to see more of these corporate displays of God's glory planted. And so if you're listening and you're interested in serving overseas, you have a heart to be involved in pastoral ministry, but also a heart for the lost and a heart for the least reached and a heart for those in the 1040 window, uh, then we would say, please, love for you to get in touch with us at Redeemer Dubai. Uh, We'd love to hear your heart. We'd love to talk about other cities we're hoping to reach. And we'd love to just be in touch. And, Mm -hmm. And we encourage you, if that's not you, then to pray for us, mm-hmm. to pray for more uh, people to come to faith. We're praying for a steady flow of men, women, and children to repent of uh, their sin and trust in Jesus Christ to save them because we know um, that we're all hopeless uh, without, without God, that we've all sinned against the holy God of the universe. We deserve death and judgment, but Jesus Christ is the good news that he died on the cross to save us from our sin, and we want to spread that message to the nation. So pray that that message goes out. Pray that people turn to him. Pray for more laborers and perhaps come join us. Well, I really appreciate this, guys. Thank you so much for your time, taking time out of your you know busy day. Thank you for uh, being on the episode today. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.